0: You're drowned by my perfect fire.
1: My perfect life. Welcome back to the podcast. We've been gone for so long, Father Peter, but we're back. Has it been three weeks? It's been that we've three seen? weeks,
0: which actually technically is a month, dude. Well. Yeah, they have not gotten fresh stuff because if you... Four weeks is a month. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you skip it for, for three weeks, then we
1: had a week lag. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's kind of painful. And guys, we don't... I don't know if we apologize. This is just the way things had to be. Yeah, no, we were gone. Just, that's just the nature stuff. But
0: we are so excited to have you back. Um, Father Scott and I, Dr. Oh, Scott and I, Thank you. Um,
1: got back from- Well, uh, hold on. First of all, we should say, this is the word on the hill. Oh, we yeah. are the Lanky Guys. My name is Dr. Scott Powell. And
0: I'm Father Peter Muzzat. And we are back from our hiatus. Hiatus. Um, and we both had a chance uh, this last week to spend it at SLS 18, the Student Leadership Summit with mm. Focus.
1: Full of a lot of non-students. <laughs> they might have to adjust the name. It was great. It was like eight eight thousand people or something. Eight thousand people. Ridiculously cold Chicago. And we met so many of you guys out there, which was really humbling. I gotta yeah. be honest. And there yeah, was no kidding. I do wanna say, um, so we met so many of you, I forget so many names. A bunch of people took selfies with us. Which I think was so fun. It was. I felt like such a little they minor took, celebrity.
0: They took selfies with you, Scott. Oh, they up. did not take them with me. I mean, maybe they would one. Have. Oh my gosh, the, one person. But the, most but, of them, they just like they. It's the man bun.
1: The point is, you guys should send them to us. Put them on. Put them oh, on yeah, Facebook because yeah. we want to see them. We want to see you guys and remember your names and pray for you and all the stuff.
0: We want to be able to remember um, when you guys talk to Scott. That's really what what he's saying. Uh, you got more of the priests. I did. I fanboying,
1: fanboying you,
0: dude. There was no. This is the thing about the Link you guys, listeners, is that I y'all are very respectful and yeah. and chilled out. Like you're That's just true. like I feel like you guys like I don't feel like a celebrity. I feel no, like I'm, I feel like I'm cool. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, oh, dude, you do like you guys. Thanks. That's really, that's like awesome. There was what, one priest even said, hey, hey, Father, you got me through my first year of priesthood. I was like, I don't even know what to preach. And <laughs> and you got me through. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is the most... Like, I am so honored that um, we get to be a part of your lives in, the, in, in at the core of the word, man. That's like the best.
1: And I got to say this. I was talking to another priest who was saying <laughs> something. They were, they were preaching one Sunday, and somebody came up to him after mass, and they were like, uh, I don't know if you knew, Father, but what you said sounded almost word for word like a podcast I listened to. And they were like, <laughs> oh, no. But that being said, and we all laughed, but I, I if... If there are priests out there that rip off every word we say, word for word, that's one of the biggest honors you could possibly give us. Absolutely. Steal all of it. Steal. That's, that's what I want to put out there. Steal Co- the podcast because this is for other people to to bear fruit. If there are priests who can rip off all the stuff we say and put it into a homily and reach their flocks, then praise be to God for that.
0: Yeah. Oh, and people who are doing Bible studies and doing all yeah. that sort of stuff. because We will su- not
1: sue you. No, pretty soon we get <laughs> royalties, don't we, <laughs> on the word? Yeah, priests get royalties from their homilies, right?
0: Dude, I am royalty uh, by my homilies. Uh, priest, prophet, and king. Oh, uh, That's the best. So, you guys, uh, we cannot mention all of you by name because the the sheer volume of- You're a voluminous. Voluminous thank yous that we have received, yep. we cannot possibly return in kind. Uh, and so, keep listening. Um, recommend it to people who have tr- tremendously patient hearts and who are willing to <laughs> endure some we're, absurdity. We're
1: better. We're better. I do have to say one last thing before we jump into, into things. Okay. Um, right before Christmas, we got a big package- full of, like, a 20-pack of Red Bulls, which I showed you. You never... I, I, I enticed you with it.
0: Well, we where are we, those Red Bulls? They're we in need my to,
1: office. We need to put them I near I the podcast. But you didn't put a name on it, and there was no return address. It just came from Amazon or something. So we want to... Well... Maybe you wanted to remain anonymous with your massive Red Bull gift. But whoever you are, thank you very much. Maybe you just accidentally didn't put a return address or your name. But whoever you are, we'd love to know who sent us the package of Red Bulls. We'd love to thank you in a more personal way. But uh, whoever you are, thanks. Because it's keeping us fueled, baby. Yeah. So if
0: you tell us who we are, what we'll do is both Scott and I will sit down and drink a Red Bull and then give you a phone call. And send you the empty cans. (laughs) And send you the empty (laughs) cans. Um, Well, so we are getting into the second Sunday in ordinal time, which is always strange because there is no first Sunday in ordinal time, but that's all right. Um, this last week was the first week in, uh, in
1: ordinary time. It's it's comes after the Epiphany. I know, but it's not called it. It is the Epiphany, right? Last right. Sunday was right. the Epiphany, and now we're in the second. Yeah. So there's no there's no named. First Sunday in Ordinary Time. Correct. That's all I'm saying. So, so I be, get it. <laughs> I'm liturgically savvy enough Dude, I, to understand. Dude, I was talking
0: about it. It's like, what's really funny is because of the podcast, I started keeping track of the weeks in Ordinary Time. Yes. And if you ever notice, there's a few that drop out in the middle. Quite a few. <laughs> that, that, you're, that you're like, hold on. Wait a minute. You go, I can't count on this. <laughs> ah, get um, it. Nice double entendre
1: there. All right. Second Sunday in Ordinary Time. That's my
0: job. I suppose so. So, it, dude, you know what's nice is it's, there's nothing like having 17,000 people in the basement with us. <laughs>
1: it's, it's getting crowded down here. It is, man.
0: Okay, first reading is 1 Samuel 3, 3B to ten nineteen, and then jumping to 19. A little bit of
1: a leap. Our responsorial psalm is Psalm 40, verse 2, 4, 7 through 8, 8 through 9, and 10.
0: And the responsicle is from 8A and 9A. Stitched together. Huh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Our <laughs> our uh, third reading, also known as the second reading, uh, is enough. 1 Corinthians 6 13C to 15A, jumping to <laughs> 17 to 20. It
1: just skips all the stuff about prostitutes. <laughs> and, and, that's true. It, 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 and hate. Hey, prostitutes and meat are what <laughs> are skipped in the second
0: reading. Welcome to America. <laughs> Well, clearly not. I mean, it's because it's universal. Uh, I got it.
1: Okay. Our gospel is coming from John, the gospel of John, John chapter one, verse 30, 35 through 42. Yes. So
0: first Samuel, I oh, What I love, I love first Samuel. First
1: Samuel, I, I feel like I say this with everything, <laughs> but it might be my favorite book in the Bible. I love 1 Samuel. It's such a profoundly beautiful book, especially the first part, where you meet Hannah and Eli the priest and Samuel as a young man. Samuel, as a person, I, he's, he's one of, if not the most righteous person in the Old Testament. Right. I, I mean, you, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find any downside to Samuel. I mean, you know, there's people like David, who's a great king, but, I mean, he has an affair and kills a guy. I mean, there's all these people with all their flaws. Even Moses, you know, gets gets ticked off at different points. Samuel is just a holy, holy man of God.
0: You know what I love, particularly about the reading that we get today? Tell so, me. So this is right at the beginning, mm-hmm. is Samuel has been dropped off, you know, <laughs> <laughs> With
1: a little lunchbox, and thermos. lunchbox at the temple. <laughs> All right, no, which we got to give a little backstory to, but but go ahead. Okay, well then let's backstory it, and then I'm gonna. No, tell no, because you- you're gonna forget your point. You're no. gonna lose it. No. <laughs> you're okay. gonna lose it, and then I'm gonna forget, and then we're gonna miss the the brilliance that you have that popped into your head just now. You're so nice. To no, no, me. it's true. I know how um, this goes. I've seen this
0: story before, <laughs> dude. What I love is that right now. Samuel in the in the reading that we have today is ex, is like in this totally innocent, faithful moment. Yeah. Like his like he he what is yeah. he doing? He's he's sleeping in the chapel, you know, like he he's kind of JP2ing it, which by the way, is did JP-2ing you JP2 it? You know, JP two would not get hotel rooms when he would fly to Rome as a cardinal. Really? Yeah, because he would just go and and go lay prostrate in a in a chapel and pray all night, and then do go that? do his stuff. I mean, I guess if you're JBD, you if, you, if you're
1: jp you What well, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely, dude. <laughs> <That's it>. so, <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, I know. So, so I just can't. Cool. I keep on seeing this, but like we were just talking about like. Our kind of halcyon days of 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 our of like innocent faith, where everything is just new and and it's like things are moving and you're quite don't know how to mm. respond to them yet, and somebody introduces you how to respond to them, and you're like, "This is oh, awesome! This is awesome! This is so yeah. brand new and fresh and innocent." It's like yeah. the the beautiful innocence of faith is I'm I'm seeing in Samuel right here because like mm. he's like, "Hey, like the priest called me," and, he, and like the priest is like, um, "Wasn't me." Yeah. Nope. And then he's like, "Hey, you called me." And he's like, "No, nah, dude. No, <laughs> nope. I am sleeping. Yeah. Please go back to the library." Which to the by, library is Ma- that a quote from something? No, Mark Wunsch. When I was Wunch. when I was Wunsch. Well, when- oh, we've
1: met Wunscher twice. Wunsch uh, twice, uh, uh,
0: and a shout out to to Jason Wunsch who listens to the podcast. Oh, you are talking about Mark, Father. Yes, yeah, Father Jason. Father Jason Wunsch um, is a twin of Mark Wunsch who sure. used to live in the library floor. He was kind of a Quasimodo figure to me, <laughs> like because seminary. Yeah, I'm a, like I'm like this college kid, and like there's this dude who sleeps on the floor. No, no okay. this is this is college. This is at UNC. Oh, and this is the, at UNC. And this there's this dude who's sleeping on the library floor at <laughs> at St. Peter's, and I was like. Who is this guy? And he was always really enthusiastic and talked to me when I was going to student suppers.
1: There's no one like the Wunches. No one. I will one. just put that out there.
0: And that was like, my first introduction to Boulder was was Mark Wunch as Quasimodo. What the... a
1: great introduction to Boulder. Speaking on behalf of my hometown, I'm thrilled that any Wunch anyone anyone <laughs> was your introduction to Boulder absolutely so
0: okay. so I don't know I just so
1: that's, that's what I'm kind of a Samuel Sam- figure yeah I'm just kind of seeing this in, in like in Samuel part of part of what we have to explore is how we got there and we'll do it quickly but but just to give a little bit of the backstory so the book of first Sam- Samuel mm, and I don't want to jump ahead because our first our gospel reading is all about John the Baptist and not to get into John the Baptist yet but but in a certain theological sense Samuel and John the Baptist fulfill a very similar role with each other. They're both they both act as bridges, mm. major sections of the Bible. So Ooh. so Samuel, his job in salvation history, I mean, he has his his personal, but his job in salvation history is, in a certain sense to be the bridge figure between the period of the judges in Israel and the period of the kings. And so it'll later be it'll later be um Samuel's job to anoint and to choose who will be the kings of Israel. And he'll, you know, the first choice is King Saul, who ends up being kind of a schmuck. And, and so Samuel will spend a lot of time kind of beating himself up about that and be like, oh my gosh, which, you know, he, he, God, is, God reveals himself. And he's like, no, it's, you're cool, Samuel. And then he'll eventually anoint King David. So he has a very important job, but his job is one that's not focused on him, it's focused on someone else. Mm. His job is to elevate others. To pick the kings, but he also he's the la- he's considered sort of the last of the judges, mm. and he's ushering in the age of the kings in the same way that John the Baptist is sort of considered the last of the prophets, who's ushering in the Christ, right? He's the bridge figure between the Old Testament and the New Testament, so um, just a, a precursor to that. But but the way that Samuel sort of shows up on the scene, it's very beautiful. He uh, we start the book of First Samuel with Hannah who is his mother. Hannah is another one of those just beautiful characters in the Bible. My wife is actually named after Hannah. Her name is Annie or Anne, but she's named after Hannah, which is interesting that we also have a son named Samuel. Oh, yeah. Which in the name Samuel, Shamar and El, means God heard. And so Hannah had prayed for fervently to have a son and she was given a son. God heard her, Shamarel, and we prayed fervently for a son and God heard us. So Any and Samuel, Hannah and Samuel, it's, it's a beautiful connection just for our family. But there's this moment where Hannah, who has this lousy husband, she's she's uh, her husband's a polygamist. He has just a couple kind of different kind, wives. kind of like you guys. No, come on, man. <laughs> Stop the NL. It, it okay, stops there. I I know. i <laughs> oh I just
0: I just was like tracking with it. I know, and I'm you're I'm, I'm, it. I'm like, oh,
1: Scott, you're not a bad right, uh, husband. Well, <laughs> Thanks, man. Okay, so But her husband is. Yeah, her husband is. He's lame, and he has another wife, and she can bear children, and Hannah can't, and he's always sort of condescending to her, so there's this and moment. She's
0: just weeping and struggling, and she goes before the Lord and well, they're, just they're, pours herself out yeah, in the temple to the point on where
1: Eli's like, woman, are you drunk? Eli is not the greatest priest in the world. <laughs> he's not. Again and again, he shows up as he, He's not the worst character in the Bible, but You know, he thinks she's like she's pouring her heart and he's like, you're drunk. Get out of here. And (laughs) then even in this case with Samuel here, it takes him three different rounds to be like, oh, wait, the Lord is maybe doing something. He's just he's just not quite tuned in. Right. You know what I mean? He's not the worst. He gets it always eventually, but it takes him a while. Um, but yeah, so, so Hannah prays and she says, God, if you give me this child, I'll give him back to you. And she, she actually prays this prayer when she finds out she's going to have Samuel. She prays this beautiful, brilliant prayer that a lot of scholars and myself are convinced that is what, it's what the Magnificat of Mary is based on the Magnificat of Mary and the song that Hannah sings are almost identical at points and I love thinking about Mary who knew her salvation history, who knew the story of Hannah, who had probably prayed this prayer before, who heard it sung, is actually echoing this this great biblical figure. So it's so this story is so rich. And what Hannah is so unique what's so remarkable about Hannah, so Eli the priest, again just always kind of falls short even when we meet uh, Eli, it says that he's sitting down which in the biblical um, mindset and ethos, that's not a good thing. A priest, When a priest is actually on his game, he's standing. He stands before God. And Samuel is always shown as standing before God. Eli is always seen sitting down on the mm. job and mm. it's subtle but it's in there I,
0: and- want, I wonder if that's why my dad gave me the posture award this last year during christmas
1: <laughs> i <laughs> would assume so
0: because my the posture award is not the is not the award for having posture but for Ooh. like totally giving Ooh. up on all <laughs> oh, you know, you know and, like when you're le- sitting <laughs> oh. on the couch and you're just like Totally collapsed. I now I feel that's like, how I, Eli is. Yeah, that's like yeah. He, Eli is like he's he, he's struggling. He gets a posture award. Don't be an Eli. Yeah,
1: but um, uh, where Samuel is like he's standing up. And and here's what's funny. So at a very young age, Hannah takes Samuel, young Samuel, to, to live with the priest Eli in the tabernacle and to, to learn these things. And what we're shown in young little boy Samuel is that Samuel knows how to stand before the Lord. And if you read the narrative carefully, you figure out he didn't learn that from Eli. He learned it from Hannah. Hannah Mm. teaches Samuel to stand before God. Mm. And I think there's echoes of Jesus who knows how to stand before God because of Mary. Mm. And of course, Joseph as well. But I mean, there's this richness to it. He didn't learn it from Eli. Eli's got his job and he's going to do his best. But he learned to stand before God because of his mother, Hannah, who knew what it meant to stand before God and gives that to her son. So that when we pick it up in the story where, where we get it, Again, he's laying down at the point at this moment because he's sleeping, but he's sleeping again in in front of the presence of God. He's not in his bedroom. He's not somewhere else. He's with God in the tabernacle in his presence. But what it says is sort of troubling. If you know that history, there's a line that's very troubling here that Uh I just want to speak to. So uh, he's laying there. He's sleeping. The Lord called Samuel. He said, here am I. He ran to Eli. He said, you called me. We already went through this, right? But it says at that time, Samuel was not familiar with the Lord. And that's a troubling line if you know where he came from, which needs to be unpacked a tiny bit. It doesn't mean Samuel doesn't know the Lord. It means, what it means, I think, is that there's two sides to prayer. What Samuel has been taught, presumably by his mom, is how to stand before God, to present himself before God. What he's less familiar with. Is how to respond and hear God when God speaks back. Right. Which is the two parts of prayer. One is putting ourselves before the presence of God. The second is listening and hearing God. So Samuel knows how to put himself in God's presence. What he's still learning hmm. is what it means to respond to God. And it's an appropriate learning curve. You know that's I, what it means though. Yeah, I think that, that that is one of those things to
0: to where like I, I had a friend and they approached a very holy priest because they were receiving some visions. Well, um, yeah, it so, wasn't me. Uh, so sorry, sorry, not not like like kind of like pseudolocutions. Okay, and so and and they were recording them, and in the midst of it, like they, they went to say, like, how do I know that this is the voice of the Lord? How do I know that God is actually? Yeah. How, how can I actually discern whether or not this is just me going? I yeah, yeah. Y- y- like like me kind of. Speaking to myself and hoping that it's the Lord versus having the Lord's voice. And it's a hard question. That's a really, really hard question to discern. But, but do we think that in the new dispensation of grace that that I mean, like God wants to pour Himself out, and yeah. and he, and He wants to pour Himself sometimes in extraordinary graces, but even just in the natural thing. And this is actually one of the things I see. It's hard for young Catholics. I mean, how many times have you talked to somebody and they're like, I really think the Lord wants me to just like break up with you? You know,
1: like (laughs) that was like the Steubenville line. Yeah, yeah. The Lord's calling me to break up. i sorry. I don't don't make fun of Steubenville. No, that's exactly what I've definitely heard girls say, like, the Lord is calling us to date. And guys being like, wait, wait what? <laughs> and, and, and this is precisely in the same zone
0: where yeah. where it's it's in youth that you're like, hold on, how do I actually recognize <laughs> what the Lord is? Oh, requesting? I guess if he says of me. so. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a hard, but that's what Samuel is learning. Yes. And and that's why it's so beautiful, because that's the right thing for him to learn and the Lord is teaching him. And he's using Eli, for better or for worse, to, to teach him. Well, well I, I mean, this is the thing. is This is Eli's one shining moment.
0: If, if he had one thing that he had to be able to accomplish, which is go say to the Lord, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. He did it. He, he got to one thing. The rest of the stuff is punk.
1: But Well, here's what. So a lot of us are familiar with this story, right? Here I am, Lord. You know, this, this threefold question. What less of us are familiar with, and people don't notice I don't know, because a lot of us are familiar with this. He goes and he says, well, go and ask the Lord. What's <laughs> oh, the, what, the do you second have, part of the story? What's the message that the Lord's trying I to say know. to Samuel? Do you remember uh, what the message is?
0: You you're horrible, right? That
1: Eli and his sons are horrible. And we <laughs> <they> will lose <laughs> the priesthood and die. And <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> which I just always imagine breakfast the next day. Like, so Samuel, did you, did you hear anything from the Lord? And he's <laughs> like <laughs> drinking his orange juice, and he's like, Well, he's like he's actually like, thus saith <laughs> the
0: Lord as I stand before him. You and your household days are numbered, and yeah. you're like, oh. "It's rough." It's like, yeah, we never get that side of the story?" No, we don't get. It. I think we should keep going in the story, man. maybe.
1: But again, it shows, you know, honestly, it shows sort of the guileness, guilelessness of Samuel. He's like, right. "Well, this is what the Lord said," And, you know, and we go on from there. You but, told me to ask. <laughs> right, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, it's rough, um, but it's a. It really is a beautiful. It's a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful figure. Um, Again, I think he's one of the holiest figures in the entirety of the Old Testament. I don't know of anyone who actually um, is on par with Samuel, to be honest with you, which is kind of neat. It's neat to tell my son that sometimes when he's like, so who am I named after again? I'm like, you're named after one of the best people in the whole whole darn Bible. Yep. So anyway, that's the first reading. And I think, um, again, what's the point? What I want to use to set us up for the gospel— What is Samuel's job? Why is he teaching him all of these things? He's teaching him this. I mean, the the problem, the reason I say he's one of the best in the Old Testament, the fall, the the danger of most of the people in the Old Testament is making everything about them. It's all about me. It's about building myself. That's what Eli is doing. But Samuel's whole job, his whole role in salvation history is pointing towards someone else who's greater than he is in a certain sense, is to anoint the kings who will have more authority and do all these things. But that profound authority of pointing to what Mm. God is doing falls on the shoulders of Samuel. His job is to point away from himself. Right, like one the Baptist. (laughs) That's precisely. (laughs) So more on that in a little bit. Okay. Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will.
0: Yeah, (laughs) actually I started in the wrong thing.
1: together. Okay,
0: can I... Okay. Yeah, no, go for it. I, I only have one thing to say about this. Psalm. I'm always confused on why the response, they'll like flip something so that it's not like the actual verses, You're like, yeah. here, here am I, Lord. Why why not, here I am, Lord, like we had in the first reading.
1: I'm always confused by the liturgical translators, man. That's all I'm just saying. That's all. It's strange, and I don't know the answer to that. But did you read the beginning of this psalm? I, I, I need to get more in the habit of going back into the psalms and reading the whole thing. Because oftentimes, so, you know, I always focus on the responsorial part, but sometimes it's the first lines of the psalm that really kind of teach us why the church is pointing us. So so obviously there's the, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. That's what Samuel says. Yeah. Okay, I get it, church. This is why you're doing it. But this first line is almost like out of Hannah's mouth. I know. Do you want to read it? Somebody should read it. I have waited,
0: waited for the Lord, and he stooped toward me and heard my cry. I have waited patiently, some say. Some translations say.
1: Which it's, it's a subtle difference. but Yeah. And he put a new song into my mouth, a hymn to our God. Yeah. What is Samuel's job in a lot of ways? It's to wait patiently for the Lord to speak and to give him his role, which again is to point away from himself. I waited patiently. And what did I do while I was waiting patiently? I said, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. And I waited on that. And right. I waited to hear his voice. And I waited and then he stooped down and he heard me and he put a new song. Yeah, it is Hannah. In a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and what's the response to Hannah's prayer? I mean, what what is Hannah's response to God's working in her life? It's saying, "Okay, God, I get this son who I prayed for, who I longed for, who I wept for. Here he is back," and she gives him up in a certain sense and says, "Okay, Lord, it's to you. It's not about me. It's not about this boy. It's about you and your will being done." Which, I mean, what Hannah does is pretty profound, and she also knows that. Eli's not the not the sharpest tool in the shed. He's like, Well, oh, I'm gonna trust yeah, I mean, that the Lord's gonna guide him.
0: Yeah, she sent him off to boarding school with the priests and these guys. <laughs> yeah. These guys weren't weren't great. They were yeah. not the best headmaster of Hogwarts. They were okay,
1: but they weren't the best. No. Well, they end pretty badly.
0: Yeah. Well, that's... well, the sons of Eli are even worse than the sons Eli. are horrible. Eli is, you know, he's all right, but But I love this line, sacrifice or offering you wish not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. Which is what Saul, is it Saul who
1: says that to Dave? No, no, Samuel says it to Saul, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Samuel will later say this line to Saul, the king, this, this terrible king who's headed down a really bad path. He's like, no, the Lord doesn't want you just to put a lamb on the altar. That's not what it's all about. It's about actually giving, he wants your obedience, and this, there's such a spiritual lesson. I mean, we're, we're not, it's not just about putting a couple bucks into the collection basket as it comes around. It's about at the moment of the offering saying, Lord, I give you myself and I'm going to give you out of my pay as well. I mean, tithing is profoundly important, but what the Lord desires is all of us, right. which is what Samuel says, why he says this line to a failing king who doesn't get what it is to give himself to God. Who gets that more than anybody? Samuel does because his whole life is framed around being given to God.
0: Yeah.
1: My my um I had a friend who
0: who can, who totally called me out and called me called me out for being selfish. Oh my. Yeah, like which is really shoot. Um it's it's really it's like a very thankful thing when you have a friend who's close enough to you who can say something like you're being selfish. And Whew. like and and it, but it's it's precisely the spiritual quality of selfishness. Mm that is in contrast to the obedient heart because it's a, a, a selfishnessness selfishnessness yeah um <laughs> yeah we'll go there. Uh, being turned in on yourself is the exact opposite of of saying like th- being able to hear the subtle call of god to actually follow after his will because yeah. obedience is not some sort of grand proclamation. If you if you're living in a place where you have to have grand proclamations of obedience, you're nowhere near obedience spiritually. Obedience is the first line of Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. Right. I that's waited obedience. patiently. And that's obedience. And then when you hear and that that's still small voice, that yeah. little movement, then it's then you say, "Oh, okay. Hold on. This is good. I'm going to actually be obedient to this prophecy." Yeah. That's given to me because I'm I got something wrong in my spirit, and that's and that's like where we find the contrast between Samuel and Eli. Is here's one who's just willing to listen, who's gonna get up in the middle of the night and say you called for me. He, I mean, like you get me up in the middle of the night, and I'm me? like me and, and oh. anybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm like, ah, oh. I mean, whereas parents, like, this is the thing is like. It's tough, but you're obedient. Yeah, you know you call, right. you called for me. Yes. <laughs> no, th- no, it was the Lord. <laughs> <gotta> let it. <laughs> <laughs> don't let don't let your son hear that one. No, or my daughters, <laughs> or your daughter, or my, or my dog. Yeah. Anyway,
1: that you've actually, I think you you have set us up pretty well for the second reading.
0: Oh yeah, right. Do you see it? a little yeah, bit I do. Because I'll tell you what, man. This reading is like is, this it's one is a little bit of a wild card. Yeah, this this one will drag you down to the zipper zone.
1: Oh okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't know if we had to edit that or not. <laughs> no, no, I no. Mean, it's about immorality. I'm, your your body is not for immorality. Don't Father the media Peter...
1: has a bad plan to drag you down to the zipper zone? For those of you who are not from Born the in 90s the, in the late <laughs> 70s that Father Peter is referencing a song by Father Stan Fortuna one of the Franciscan friars of the renewal had a great rap song in our coming of faith age yeah dude in, it, the, 90s, in the halcyon days about the evil one dragging us down to the zipa zone. Yeah, dude. Which is a pretty <laughs> gutsy song to <laughs> to have
0: written. Yeah, dude. Check out Sacre song, dude. I mean, this is like, Those dude. This is this is the this is how we rolled in '97,
1: man. This was how we rolled in '97, and this is how they're rolling in Corinth in in, in three in, th- or in thirty in 30, forty. Forty, I guess. But yeah, so brothers and sisters, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. God raised the body, and will also raise us by His power. Yeah. Sorry. I cut you off. I mean, I have things to say,
0: no, I mean, this is exactly what we're, I mean, th- this is, I-, I think that you're right. I did set us up like in this moment to, to say like the subtle difference of, of, I just get to do whatever I want in my body as long as I am like, it's external
1: obedience versus an internal obedience. And this, and I, I, I say this with all of respect and deference but this is where I'm a little frustrated by this passage, because if they just backed it up, maybe a verse or two, this would make a lot more sense. Because if you go back a verse or two, so, so what we're dealing with in Corinth is a bunch of Corinthian believers in Jesus. So, so Christians who are basically saying, we're believers in Jesus. We get who God is. We've given ourselves to him. And now because of that, we're free in Christ to kind of do whatever we want to. Because we get who God is and we know what – so there's this – we don't have time to go into, into the full, full context. But there is this one particular problem that's happening in Corinth where – Corinthianizing? No, not the Corinthianizing. Okay. I mean, that's happening too. That's yeah. sexual immorality. But there's a there's another problem that Paul spends like four chapters dealing with, which is this question of meat offered to idols. So there, there's this practice in Corinth where – well, it, it's the whole ancient world where – um. Temples in the ancient... Oh, how do I? So So Paul talks... I'll
0: I'll I'll tell you how it is. Because they (laughs) offered animals and sacrifice to deities, what happens is that that the temples were restaurants. Correct. So if you wanted to go to a restaurant in Corinth, it was a temple to a god. Right. And And, and so if you're wanting to go out for a nice night on the town, you're going to go to Athena's
1: and get some good meat. Right. And so what the people are are saying is, well, wait a second, okay, so we used to think it was good to offer this meat to idols and eat these things that were offered to these false gods, but now we know that Athena, Apollos, Zeus, these gods don't exist, they're not real, which means that this meat that's been offered in sacrifice before the temple of Apollos isn't offered to anything, because those gods don't exist, and therefore, we're fine. There's only one god, Zeus is not a god, so we can go to Zeus's temple and hang out with our friends and eat this great food, and it doesn't matter. And Paul is coming back and saying, well, wait a second. What about if other people see you going to these false temples of pagan gods and are like, well... These Christian leaders, they're going and hanging out in the temples. They're eating this meat that was offered to idols. I guess maybe it's fine to have idolatry, and it's fine to go to these temples. And the Corinthian, these church leaders, are basically saying, we don't care what anybody else thinks of us because we know. We know that there's one God. We know that these gods are all false, so we're going to do whatever we want to with our freedom. And it actually says in verse 12, all things are lawful for me. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach is meant for food. Then God will destroy both one and the other. The body is meant not for immorality, but for the Lord. He's basically saying, what are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of being an example to the people around you? Yeah, the meat offered in a temple to the god Zeus wasn't really offered anything because that god doesn't exist. So yeah, I guess in theory you could eat that meat. But what are the rest of the people around you going to think when they see you doing that? It's also not to mention that in these temple ceremonies, there was a lot of sexual immorality that happened. And Paul's like, I, I I, can see right through you. You don't just want to go to keep up your social networks. You're going because there's sexual immorality. There's gluttony. There's drunkenness. There's all these terrible things. And you're somehow using Jesus to justify living however you want to. And what So all of that kind of backdrop is to say, I think what this reading is ultimately saying is Corinthians, it's not about you. (laughs) It's not about doing what you want. Your job as Christians is to point outside of yourself, Mm. which is what Samuel's job was, which is what John the Baptist's job was. And the Corinthians are saying, it's all about me. It's what I want to do. It's what I feel like. I don't care how anybody views me. I don't care if I'm scandalizing all the people around me because it's about me. And Paul is saying, it's not about you. It's about what you use your body for, what you use your actions for, what you use for your will for, and about pointing beyond yourself, outside of yourself, because it's ultimately about Jesus, not about you. Right dude and 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 this is the corinthians are always
0: radically tempted to an intellectualization of everything that's yeah. it's part of the reason why is they're like oh i know and it's it's like it's like a deeply embedded gnosticism
1: Absolutely. Rather- well, it's a neo gnosticism neo gnosticism or it's it's a proto gnosticism cuz gnosticism hasn't quite hit the scene yet but all of the trappings are there, right, in Corinth, and and so
0: what 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 I see is it's saying like no, we live a sacramental nature, of, we live the sacramental nature of reality, which says that. It's not the body and the soul and they're not divided but rather we are one and right. we are in an integrity and and
1: what we actually do is going to make a difference. And, so we can't just believe one thing and give our souls to God but do something totally different with our bodies. Right, and, which he, is what they're thinking.
0: Which is which is why he's like honor the Lord in your body. Right. The the, the matter matters. We're matter going to we're going to live a sacramental dispensation and yeah. you don't understand that you can't just this is not a head trip this is your whole life yes and you must have an obedient heart mm-hmm. not just obedient ears or an obedient mind to say ooh i can ascend to that truth but not necessarily live it and an obedient body don't let your body go to bad places yeah. don't you know dude i have to i have to tell you Uh-oh. um th- this morning i like i put on my catholic ninja shirt <laughs> And I drank from my trust me I'm a ninja mug. It was like, it was like it's this It's ninja day. It's ninja over here day at the rectory. Did I ever tell you why I stopped going to the dojo?
1: I don't know if you
0: did. I feel like
1: we've had this conversation, but I don't remember. It's dude. It's
0: this. It's what happened is that they have a bowing ceremony to a spirit shelf. Oh my. And I and I knew in my heart that I could I could go to the classes Whoa. that that they don't have the bow-in ceremony, and. But but once I became pastor, Ooh. once I became pastor, I said, "I cannot do this. This is not spiritually sound um, and, and, and being obedient in my body, And I'd rather be fat and lazy <laughs> than <laughs> to to actually submit myself or to or my people to any spiritual influence or to I- anything that is
1: not just the one true God. You are living. That is the vision of the Corinthians because in theory, you can be like, well, I'm not going to give myself to those gods. So I can still take part in this because there right. are some goods. But Paul is saying, no, what are you willing to sacrifice? I can have a virtual
0: liturgical East by which I can yeah. bow to the Lord and not those things.
1: Yeah. But what are people seeing? Right. They, what are you willing? And, and he says that later on. What do you, he says it in, is it Philippians where he says, what What do I have the the grace of sacrificing, of giving up? Right. Of counting as scubula. I remember he says in Philippians. Yes. That uh, these things are mine. I have a right to these things. You have a right to go to a ninja class if you feel like it but you have a call as a christian to look beyond yourself and your needs yeah that's a great that's the perfect example well
0: it's just providence that god attuned my heart towards the ninjutsu today
1: wow in this day well and also Which,
0: um uh, uh, cardinal supich uh, at his in homily in SLS 18 when you know, he gave his homily in chicago oh yeah he did bring up ninjas yeah he, he talked he talked uh, about he was a ninja warrior and and so i've just right. i'm right. like no i'm I actually no, a, ninja I'm a ninja warrior supich
1: <laughs> take that blaze you know that's actually a good segue into the gospel i think okay let's not, do it not cardinal Supich, but, <laughs> but the rest of it um okay so it, you know, this is this is a great sunday of context um being really where the sweet stuff is because i and i don't i actually looked back in my notes from john and i forgot i obviously wrote it in my own handwriting but i don't remember this whatsoever and i read it again and i'm like that is cool so where we pick it up, and we're in the beginning of the, of the Gospel of John, where John is John the Baptist, so who is different than the Gospel writer John, John the beloved Apostle, two different people, right? So the Gospel writer John, the beloved disciple, is writing about John the Baptist, right? And John the Baptist is uh, this is the moment where he is pointing disciples away from himself to Jesus. And actually the part where we get today is the calling of the very first disciples, which I was actually struck just reading it at face value. We get the calling of the very first disciples. And if you, if you read it carefully, it's very different than the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In the synoptic gospels, um, Jesus calls to these disciples and they come after him. The way, that Luke, or the way that John portrays it, if you notice, Jesus doesn't say a single word. But yet these disciples come and follow him. Mm. It's not because of Jesus's words. It's because of Jesus, but it's because of John the Baptist saying over there. But I read a little bit before this. And again, this was in my notes and I just forgotten about it. One of the major themes. I'm going to ask you. A, a, it's not a rhetorical question, but I'm not trying to trick you. But I'm just—I'm curious <laughs> if we're on the same page here. Okay. okay. What is one of the ma- what is the most important theme that shows up in the Gospel of John? lamb of God no I mean, maybe I mean what um, does Jesus say seven times that frames the whole gospel well we have uh, oh uh, ego and me yeah um, I say? am I am the I am statement so the whole gospel of John is framed around seven times Jesus says I am which is the name of God he says I am the bread of life Dude, I, I f- am the vine I am the light I am the way but, which is awesome. I'm really proud of myself that I had the Greek too. You totally did. You pulled the Greek. Well played. Echoing me, dude. But, but yeah. here's what I've never noticed. Well, apparently I did. Because again, this is in my notes. but I don't oh, remember I heard you it.
0: counting What's... earlier.
1: Yeah. Right before we get to where John, G, John here in our gospel says, hey, behold the Lamb of God over there. You get a number of times where John gives I am not statements. No, he does not give seven I am not. He doesn't give seven. Oh, I he was going to three. Be a... Okay. Maybe four. It's kind of depends on how you translate. That's actually really cool. It's awesome. He says, because the Pharisees come and they're like, are you the Christ? He's like, I am not the Christ. I am not the light coming into the world. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. He keeps saying, I am not, I am not, I am not. And then Jesus shows up and he says, behold the lamb of God. And Jesus begins to say, I am, I am, I am, I am. And it's this very concrete John is living his vocation, right. which is to say, I am not. What's mm. his role in salvation history to say? And he actually says it later on. I must decrease. He must increase, mm. which Okay. And I'll, I'll give you the moral, at least that I've been saying. And we said this at the beginning of the podcast. It's really fun to go to something like an SLS conference. And I got to speak. I was one of the speakers. It was cool. People wanted to take selfies with me. They're loving the podcast. And it's really easy to kind of be like, yeah, we're doing some really cool work. We have a great podcast. Father Peter and I, we have these great words to say. We're doing this wonderful stuff. And what I was kind of struck by in my own prayer this morning, thinking about this, is, no, our job in the—and that's why I said at the beginning of the podcast, one of my greatest compliments to us would be to completely rip us off. Right. And I would love that, because it's not—I am not. Right. I am not a priest. Right. You are, so you have a bit of a different role. But this podcast is not about, hey— Listen to the podcast and hear how brilliant we are. Look at our great insights. Look at all this great stuff. No, it's saying, look at how amazing the gospel is. Look at salvation history. Look at Samuel. Look at these figures. Look over there. Mm. And all I want to be, all I want to want to be is the messenger for this stuff and it's really easy to kind of get big head and be like yeah we're awesome but it's a it's the old adage about you know the donkey who carries jesus into jerusalem on palm sunday the donkey probably thought everybody was cheering for him right like, yeah i'm a donkey <laughs> right <laughs> like no it's the thing you're carrying on you and i was just kind of it was uh it was um uh what's the word um it just kind of struck me uh in a in a it was con- convicting. That's the word I'm looking for. Right. I'm like, "Oh man, I I need to be a little bit more John the Baptist. A little bit more. I am not. I am not." Uh, and again, a little please, a rip off the podcast. Do a Bible study on the podcast. Do a homily on the podcast. Don't credit us about the podcast because that's not why we're here. No, it's just And it's, I want to want that more than I do. It's just it's just servant servants
0: of the word. I mean like yeah. that's that's the thing that's so that's so gifting to me is like I I am in love with Jesus out of the beautiful things that we talk about yeah um like but it's not because we talk about these beautiful things it's because of the man Jesus and how right. he shows up over time with consistency and love and it's transformative and totally timely right it's it's absolutely important in this moment right now to speak to my heart and to my life and like it's really funny i i went and i prayed I, like at, at at s before sls i was like i was like lord i'm struggling i need i need something and um, and he sent me uh, Father Andrew
1: Dickinson, uh, which is which according to Andrew, I know. It was awesome. He had a sweet mustache.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. What did he
1: call it? SLS stash. <laughs> he, had, he had a name for it.
0: <laughs> but it was funny because literally in our first conversation, and, and the Lord had put Andrew on my heart, which I really think is funny because I'm Peter. Oh, <laughs> and, nice. And so, nice. and it was really funny because he literally said, uh, he, he, he spoke a word to my heart that literally unlocked my, uh, unlocked my spirit for a week. And it was just this one word and it was like, it literally, in a word, you can get totally unlocked, yeah. and and this the spirit and grace can flow again in a way that is like really really important. Mm. But I but I'm reading these readings and I and I can't help but give a shout out to him mm. in the in the midst of this because it's exactly like and we were actually sitting next to each other in mass and and Andrew Andrew brought Peter to the Lord and like <laughs> awesome. and just just like this it's That's like awesome. it, it, but wow. it's little moments like that where you say like you know what it's totally like I can I needed a good like my ego needs to get like a beat down on Mm -hmm. occasion and uh I was talking to Hinato at one point during the conference and and I and like somebody was like yeah man I, I like I like went to you to confession um, like in this really important moment of my life, and I was—I just—I mean, I don't remember. And I was, like, <laughs> and and so I I went and I and I was like, oh, I was like, well, how did I do? And Hanato was standing there, Uh-oh. and and he looked at me and he said, no, it is not how you did. <laughs> how did Jesus do? And I was he's like, he's
1: handy to have around for humility. Yeah. Yeah. If just looking for humility. And uh, that was the right guy. Yeah.
0: And I was like, I was like, ah, oh, this is, it was actually so good. Mm. It was just so good. But, but it, cause it's all of this stuff where mm. it's like, no, it's so easy for us to make this not about servants, being servants of the word, being servants of yeah. the Lord, being obedient soldiers, being, uh, being obedient hearts to the movements of God. Cause the truth is I do not know, what what the uh, we we have a full layout of the mystery mm. but but the the plan is the lords and i cannot pretend to have the whole perspective and Absolutely. so i got to walk with him i got to like hang, hang with him and i got to have an obedient heart and say like lord is uh, like you're calling and um and my life is my, my own and the media has a bad <laughs> plan to drag me down to the zipper zone <laughs> and and and, and they knew it was coming back yeah you have to it's so yeah. the, and we're like pointing we're pointing towards towards the Lord just like John the
1: Baptist and
0: Andrew and Peter and and
1: and uh, everybody but that is what's so beautiful about the way John tells the story because again Jesus in in John's account you don't hear Jesus calling anyone right all you see is John the Baptist saying over there right and there's discipleship and they follow they leave John to go after the the truth right which is john's job and i think that's his happiest moment he's like good now they're in the right place (laughs) now i can just point more people over there
0: right wait right it's uh, it's it's like being a dad you're like please go off
1: to college (laughs) (laughs) or once christmas break ends and nobody wants to go back to school please go back to school yeah they they didn't want to go man this year
0: no, oh. we want more break <laughs> dude so don't we all don't well, we all as as we are all uh, letting <laughs> our christmas breaks wane no, and yes. uh, school is beginning again we mm. wish you adieu adieu to you
1: and you and you <laughs> well well said uh mary poppins they, no um still in the sound of music the sound of music what's her name the von trapp family von trapps I could have been quicker on that. All yeah, right. Dude. Well, I'll be quicker next week. Hey, you guys are the best.
0: And um, thanks for listening. And we just love you guys. It is seriously so nice to see so many of your faces. Oh, yeah. um, fathers, you guys are awesome. And I and like every single one of you who said something to me this week, I looked at you and I was like, I am humbled the mm-hmm. fact that you are listening to me. To me likewise, and to, to Scott and to like, and that we are of assistance to you and that you get to feel a part of our lives because you are a part of our lives and, um, you are awesome and God bless you and don't fake the phone.
1: Nope. We'll see you next week. Bye. The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.